welcome back to the Dear Heart and the Brain podcast show, where we discuss general health, fitness, and science. This is the seventh part of the special micronutrient series, where I'll be breaking down the fundamentals of vitamin and mineral metabolism so you can better understand its mechanism and subsequent impact on your well-being. I know you're going to love the series, because I've been working on this initiative for quite some time now. Whether you're walking your dog, driving to work, or doing household chores, you're in for a splendid adventure. Today, we will be discussing vitamin A, which many of you know to associate with carrots and good vision. Vitamin A, this is just a generic term to describe compounds that have a biological activity similar to retinol. And it also has many roles related to immunity, metabolism, and cell function, which is pretty cool. Vitamin A deficiency is very common in plant-based diets with little fat, which relate to blindness and poor immune function due to the poor structural support of the cornea in the eye. Excellent dietary sources of vitamin A are in liver, pumpkin, carrots, and red peppers, and as you can already envision, all of these sources mimic the color of the rainbow. Just like vitamin C and E, there is this redox framework of vitamin A that allows it to exist at several oxidation states, starting with retinol on the left side as the most reduced, and then retinol, and then to the highest oxidation of retinoic acid. Remember, acid is usually the most oxidized, by the way. And vitamin A, it is stored in the form of retinal esters. And it became an ester because it became, it got um, esterified by a long chain fatty acid associated with the loss of the polar end group, making it very insoluble in water while being a- amphipatic in nature. The two types of vitamin A in our diet are in the forms of retinal esters from animal sources as well as carotenoids from plants and the hydrolysis requires bile salts to actually solubilize the retinal esters in mixed missiles so we have our two friends carboxyl ester lipase and retinal ester hydrolase to help with this process after hydrolysis retinol will diffuse into the enterocyte but the carotenoid uptake actually involves transporters where it'll be cleaved into two molecules of retinal before retinol esters get delivered to the liver, retinol will get esterified with other lipids and packaged into chylomicrons and in then tested with the help of A-rat and L-rat. And as I just said, like esterification merely means that the polar end group has been lost. And once vitamin A is transported in the form of retinol esters by chylomicrons, we can then deliver it to the liver where it is the major source or major site of vitamin A storage. And what's interesting is that we need continuous hydrolysis and reformation of the retinal esters for absorption and mobilization of vitamins between tissues. Thankfully, retinal binding protein carries retinol through circulation via its hydrophobic beta barrel, where it will be delivered to cells that specifically bind to specific oxidative states of vitamin A, which will retard their degradation decrease their concentration in membranes, which is known to disrupt membrane structure and increase their concentration in aqueous spaces. So, how does vitamin A relate to vision, you may ask? So, we talked about how there's like oxidation forms, and I want you to know that there is this form called the 11 cis isomer of retinal. And who she is is that she plays a critical role in visual transduction. So, when light is captured in your eye via rhodopsin, 
11-cis-retinol is actually the chromophore that absorbs that photon and then it ultimately results in the hyperpolarization of the cell so that the photoreceptor cells can actually form synapses with your neurons to transmit that there is a visual signal to your brain. And this happens in this mechanistic pathway that I will now explain, right? So when that chromophore, 11-cis-retinol, absorbs the photon, it gets transformed from the 11-cis-retinol to the all-transform to induce the protein to go through some conformational changes after transducent as a G protein exchanging, GTP for GTP. And then GTP will activate phosphodiesterase, which will break down GMP. And ultimately, we get the sodium channel slammed shut, and then hyperpolarization happens in the cell. Right. This conformational change happens because the chromophore is released and we get more 11 cis retinol two ways, right? We get it again with RPE taking vitamin E from the blood and then it gets stored in the all trans esters or retinol e, the 11 cis retinol can simply be recycled back inside the RPE, right? And retinoids they have a great effect on cell proliferation and growth of cells in very unique ways. Like for instance, Many of these unique effects are due to the all-trans retinoic acid and 9-cis retinoic acid. I know I don't know a lot of names too, but um, know that like genomic influences are due to the retinoic acid. So because they actually modulate the rate of gene transcription by binding to retinoid receptors, and then these retinoid receptors will bind to DNA recognition sequences. Like for example, the all-trans RA, right? It'll activate the RAR and PAR that will heterodimerize with the retinoid with the retinoid X receptor. We'll call it RXR, and it gets activated by the nine cis actually. So, um, yeah, the two RAR and PAR get activated by all-trans that will basically form a dimer with RAX or RXR, and RXR is activated by nine cis. So you see how like the effects of the all trans and nine cis RA really does a lot of work. And RXR is a very unique receptor because it can interact with various ligands such as hormones, vitamin D3, and other thyroid hormones that basically make RXR a master regulator for several signaling nutrients and hormones. And in the absence of ligands, these RXR receptors will actually associate with co-repressors to reduce transcription rates, but upon ligand binding, the receptors will go through a conformational change that leads to recruitment of co-activators, right? So, this is vitamin E for you, my friend. That's all I have for you about what vitamin A does and what they play in your body. If you've enjoyed this episode, I know that the next last few episodes, I think three or four more, in this micronutrient series will be a transformative ride of more scientific excitement and curiosity that will lead that will last you a lifetime. I'm going to leave you with the same message I leave you in every single one of our Dear Heart and the Brain podcast episodes. Keep that brain sharp, keep that heart healthy, and go dominate. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much for your attention. And above all, thank you for your continual interest in science.